Welcome to today's reading. I pray that you are found in good spirits. Merry Christmas. The blessings of the Lord be upon your household. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Thank you for checking in on today. 365 daily devotional reading for December 17th. Reading the book of Nahum. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, for speaking to us through your verses, Lord. Verses of grace and comfort, Lord, that we may keep loving you and seeking your face through the word in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you so much. Amen. In today's study, we're going to be talking about jealousy and vengeance. But many are surprised these terms are associated with God. When humans are jealous, they take revenge. They're usually acting in a spirit of selfishness. But God's jealousy and vengeance are not tainted by selfishness. His purpose is to remove sin and restore peace to the world. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24 and chapter 5 verse 9. It is appropriate for God to insist on our own complete alliance because he is our source of life. We have nothing and are nothing without him. It is just for him to punish those who reject him. To reject him from our lives is to live alienated from the way the world works, from reality itself. But God's vengeance is not immediate. He allows people time to turn away from living apart from God. If he punishes people immediately, none of us would be here. But because of God's grace, redemption is still possible, even while we continue to struggle with sin. We can all be thankful that God gives people time to turn to him. His justice will come, but as long as we live, it is by God's grace. Every breath is an opportunity to choose God instead of ourselves. Amen. And more on the commentary of Nahum. Nahum, whose name means comfort, was God's prophet, consolation during those troubled times. His words were meant to lift the hearts of Judah's oppressed people and to address their unspoken doubts. Nahum began by reminding these people that God is a powerful refuge for people in trouble. He told them that God would judge Judah's cruel oppressors and that Judah will someday regain significance and wholeness. Nahum's words were also for the people of Nineveh, a serious captive. He predicted its eminent domain. Rescue from fear. Our fears can destroy us if we allow them to control our lives. The people of Judah lived under the threat of Assyrian. The lush pastures of Bashan and Carmel fade and the green forests of Lebanon wither. In his presence, the mountains quake and the hills melt away the earth trembles and its people are destroyed. Who can stand before his fierce anger? Who can survive his burning fury? His rage blazes forth like fire and the mountains crumble to dust in his presence. 
The Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust in him. But he will sweep away his enemies with an overwhelming flood. He will pursue his foes into the darkness of night. Why are you scheming against the Lord? He will destroy you with one blow. He won't need to strike twice. His enemies tangle with thorn bushes and staggering like drunks will be burned up like dry stubble in a field. Who is this wicked counselor of yours who plots evil against the Lord? This is what the Lord says. Though the Assyrians have many allies, they will be destroyed and disappear. O my people, I have punished you before, but I will not punish you again. Now I will break the yoke of bondage from your neck and tear off the chains of the Assyrian oppression. And this is what the Lord says concerning the Assyrian in Nineveh. You will have no more children to carry on your name. I will destroy all the idols in the temples of your gods. I am preparing a grave for you because you are despicable. Look, a messenger is coming over the mountains with good news. He is bringing a message of peace. Celebrate your festivals, O people of Judah, and fulfill all your vows. For your wicked enemies will never invade your land again. They will be completely destroyed. Chapter 2. Your enemy is coming to crush you, Nineveh. Man the ramparts, watch the roads, prepare your defense, call out your forces. Even though the destroyer has destroyed Judah, the Lord will restore its honor. Israel's vine has been stripped of branches, but he will restore its splendor. Shields flash red in the sunlight. See the scarlet uniforms of the valiant troops. Watch as their glittering chariots move into position with a forest of spears waving above them. The chariots race recklessly along the streets and rush wildly through the squares. They flash like firelight and move as swiftly as lightning. The king shouts to his officers. They stumble in their haste, rushing to the walls to set up their defense. The river gates have been torn open. The palace is about to collapse. Nineveh's exile has been decreed, and all the servant girls mourn its capture. They moan like doves and beat their breasts in sorrows. Nineveh is like a leaking water reservoir. The people are slipping away. Stop! Stop! Someone shouts, but no one looks back. Loot the silver. Plunder the gold. There's no end to Nineveh's treasures. It's vast, uncounted wealth. Soon the city is plundered, empty, and ruined. Hearts melt and knees shake. The people stand aghast, their faces pale and trembling. Where now is that great Nineveh, that den filled with young lions? It was a place where people, like lions and their cubs, walked freely and without fear. The lions tore up meat for his cubs and strangled prey for his mate. He filled his den with prey, his caverns with his plunder. I am your enemy, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Your chariots will soon go up in smoke. Your young men will be killed in battle. 
Never again will you plunder conquered nations. The voice of your proud messengers will be heard no more. What sorrow awaits Nineveh, the city of murder and lies? She is crammed with wealth and is never without victims. Hear the crack of whips and rumble of wheels. Horses' hooves pound and chariots clatter wildly. See the flashing swords and glittering spears as the charioteers charge past. There are countless casualties, heap of bodies, so many bodies that people stumble over them. All this because Nineveh, the beautiful and faithless city, mistress of daily charms, enticed the nations with her beauty. She taught them all her magic, enchanting people everywhere. I am your enemy, says the Lord of Heaven's army, and now I will lift up your skirts and show all the earth your nakedness and shame. I will cover you with filth and show the world how vile you really are. All who see you will shrink back and say, Nineveh lies in ruins. Where are the mourners? Does anyone regret your destruction? Are you any better than the cities of Tebes, situated in the Nile River, surrounded by water? She was protected by the rivers of all sides, walled in by water. Ethiopia and the land of Egypt gave unlimited assistance. The nations of Put and Libya were among her allies. Yet the Tebes fell, and her people were led away as captives. Her babies were dashed to death against the stones of the streets. Soldiers threw dice to get Egyptian officers as servants. All their leaders were bound in chains. And you, Nineveh, will also stagger like a drunkard. You will hide for fear of the attacking enemy. All your fortresses will f- fall. They will be devoured like the ripe figs that fall into the mouth of those who shake the streets. Your truths will be as weak and helpless as women. The gates of your land will be open wide to the enemy and set on fire and burn. <clears throat> Get ready for the siege, store up water, strengthen the defense, go into the pits of trampled clay and pack it into moles making bricks to repair the walls. But the fire will devour you. The sword will cut you down. The enemy will consume you like locusts, devouring everything they see. There will be no escape, even if you're multiplied like swarming locusts. Your merchants have multiplied until they outnumber the stars. But like a swarm of locusts, they strip the land and fly away. Your guards and officials are also like swarming locusts that crowd together in the hedge on a cold day. But like locusts, they fly away when the sun comes up. All of them will fly away and disappear. Your shepherds are asleep. O Assyrian king, your princes lie dead in the dust. Your people are scattered across the mountains with no one to gather them together. There is no healing for your wound. Your injured is, injury is fatal. All who hear of your destruction will clap their hands for joy. Where can anyone be found who has not suffered from your continued cruelty? 
That's the book of Nahum. This, this same language, what we just read, was used in Isaiah 52.7 of Herald's poise on the hills of Judah, shouting the good news of Judah's liberation. The kingdom of Israel had already been destroyed by Assyria, and Judah had lived under a continual threat of attack for many years. The conquest of Nineveh by the Babylonians and Medes would be good news for the desperate, helpless people of Judah. This event took place in 612 B.C., Nahum gives an account of Nineveh's defeat. Now the people of Judah could celebrate and praise God for this message of peace. We too must always praise God for the victories in our lives and the peace he can bring to us. Amen. God promises that the past honor and glory of Judah and Israel would be restored. Along with the defeat of God's enemies, there's always hope for recovery for those who trust in God. God God's help in recovery, we can begin by recognizing that we can't stand against our dependencies without God's help. We need a power greater than ourselves to help us make the changes needed for us to restore life. God is all-knowing. Righteous, all-powerful, all-loving, and good. He is slow to get angry, but has the power to take radical steps to arrest the progression of injustice and further the recovery of his people. Blessed be God. We may wonder why God seems to do so little about wrong things. Here we see that God holds unjust people accountable and will administer justice according to his own timetable. Our recovery process can be slowed if we worry constantly about the injustice we have suffered. God wants us to remember that he is just and will deal with those who have hurt us. We must focus on our own sins, repent, and follow God's perfect will for our lives. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for his reading of today's word. And now we go to uh, Revelations. I believe Revelations 6. Let me see here. Revelations 8, chapter, chapter 8. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. I, John, saw the seven angels who stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and threw it down upon the earth, and thunder crashed, lightning flashed, and there was a terrible earthquake. Then the seven angels with the seven trumpets prepared to blow their mighty blast. The first angel blew his trumpet, 
and hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown down on the earth. One third of the earth was set on fire. One third of the trees were burned and all the green grass was burned. Then the second angel blew his trumpet and a great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea. One third of the water in the sea became blood. One third of all the things living in the sea died and one third of all the ships on the sea were destroyed. When the third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from the sky, burning like a torch, it fell, it fell on one third of the rivers and one springs of water and on the springs of water. The names of the star was bitterness. It made one third of the water bitter and made people die from drinking the bitter water. Then the fourth angel blew his trumpet and one third of the, of the sun was struck and one-third of the moon, and one-third of the stars, and this, and they became dark. And one-third of the day was dark, and also one-third of the night. Then I looked and I heard a single eagle crying loudly as it flew through the air, Terror, terror to all who belong to this world, because of what will happen when the last three angels blow their trumpets. Now remember that there was a silence in heaven for about half an hour. During this time, the only activity was the prayers of the saints. Incense was poured on the coals and the sweet-smelling smoke drifted upward, symbolizing believers' prayers ascending to God. This image came from temple worship where in it, This image came from temple worship where an incense burner filled with live coals were used. The angel then threw the incense burner down upon the earth and symbolizes the judgment of God's release on earth in response to the prayers of the saints. They had been praying for judgment upon those who had oppressed and killed them. Amen. Times of silence help us to focus on God. Silence conveys trust and confidence in God. See Isaiah thirty fifteen. We can trust God to give us strength and provide the justice we seek. Judgment, vindication, and revenge are in God's hands. Amen. not our hands. No matter how strong the desire is to exact revenge and retaliate against our enemies, our responsibility is to pray to God for his justice and trust him to respond in his time and in his way. Remember that judgment, vindication, and revenge are in God's hands, not ours. For further reading, see Matthew chapter 5, 38 to 39, and Romans 12, 19, and 1 Peter 3, 9. We give thanks to God, our Creator, Deliverer, and Sovereign Ruler. We thank Him for remembering us. Amen. Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, his faithful love endures forever.
Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who placed the stars among the waters. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule the day. His faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. And the moon and the stars to rule the night. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who killed the firstborn of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who killed the firstborn of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He brought Israel out of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He acted with a strong hand and a powerful arm. His faithful love endures forever. We give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. He led Israel safely through. His faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. But he, he, he hurtled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who leads his people through the wilderness. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who struck down many kings. His faithful love endures forever. He killed powerful kings. His faithful love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, his faithful love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his faithful love endures forever. God gave this land to this king as an inheritance. His faithful love endures forever. A special possession to his servant Israel. His faithful love endures forever. He remembered us in our weaknesses for his faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. A special possession to his servant Israel. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every living thing. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every living thing. Give thanks to the God of heavens. His faithful love endures forever. Amen. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. O God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches for me just enough to satisfy, satisfy my needs. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who is the Lord? If And if I am too poor, I may steal thus insulting God's holy name. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for a reading of your word for December 17th. Thank you for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear and what you're telling the church. In Jesus' name. Amen. Greetings, family. Welcome to today's reading of 365, December 18th. Merry Christmas. May the Lord bless you. Before we start, we're going to be reading 
the book of Habakkuk. Isn't that great? One of the things that stands out, I have a note here from a couple of years. It says, praise me for it. Patience turns to gold in you. That's the objective of thanking God for hard circumstances. Our patience turns to gold in us. And guess what? On the next situation, the next opportunity, the next thing, we already have the goal. Like attracts like. Discouragement attracts discouragement. Patient goal attracts more patient goal. We got to be like the scripture that says right here, even though the fig tree has no blossom and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Amen and amen. Our objective is to praise our sovereign Lord and receive his strength for today. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and get started. The background in the back is fireplace, a little bit of jazz music for this Christmas season. And there's snow in the window in the background, all coming from YouTube, folks. (laughs) Beautiful, wonderful atmosphere. Today's reading is out of Habakkuk chapter 1. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by a people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. The Lord replied, Look around the nations, look and be amazed for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than the cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away like eagles. They swoop down to devour their prey. And they come all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wing and are gone, but they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God. 
Again, they sweep past like the wind and are gone. But they are deeply guilty, for their own strength is their God. O Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. But you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treasury? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Are we only sea creatures that have no leader? Must we be strung up, up on their hooks and caught in their nets while they rejoice and celebrate? Then they will worship their nets and burn incense in front of them. These nets are the gods who have made us rich. They will claim, will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquests? I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, Write my name, excuse me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for I will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Let me lower the music. Excuse me for a minute. Alrighty, here we go. This is good stuff, isn't it? Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. The righteous people will live by their faithfulness to God. Wealth is treasurous, and the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouth as wide as the grave, and like death, they are never satisfied. In their grave, in their greed, they have gathered up many nations. They swallow many peoples, but soon their captors will taunt them, and they will mock them, saying, What sorrow awaits you, thieves? Now you will get what you deserve. You become rich by extortion, but how much longer can you this go on? Suddenly your debtors will take action. They will turn on you and take all you have, while you stand trembling and helpless, because you have plundered many nations. Now all the survivors will plunder you. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. What sorrow awaits you who build big houses? With money gained dishonestly? You believe your wealth will buy security, putting your family's nest beyond the reach of danger. But by the murders you committed, you have shamed your name and forfeited your lives. The very stones in the walls cry out against you, and the beams in the ceilings echo the complaint. What sorrow awaits you who build cities with money gained through murder and corruption? 
Has not the Lord of Heaven's armies promised that the wealth of nations will turn to ashes? They work so hard, but all in vain. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. What sorrow awaits you who make your neighbors drunk? You force your cup on them so you can gloat over their shameful nakedness. But soon it will be your turn to be disgraced. Come, drink and be exposed. Drink from the cup of the Lord's judgment, and all your glory will be turned to shame. You cut down the forest of Lebanon. Now you'll be cut down. You destroy the wild animals, so now their terror will be yours. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. What good is an idol carved by man or a cast image that deceives you? How foolish to trust in your own creation, a God that can't even talk. What sorrow awaits you who say to wooden idols, Wake up and save us. To speechless stone images you say, Rise up and teach us. Can an idol tell you what to do? They may be overlaid with gold and silver, but they are lifeless inside. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens, and the earth is filled with His praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from His hand, where His awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before Him. Plague follows close behind. When He stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. I see the people of Kushan in distress and the nations of Median trembling in terror. Was it in, in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No. You were sending your chariots of salvation. You brandished your bow and your quiver of arrows. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watched and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting his hands to the Lord. The sun and moon stood still. The skies as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spears flash. You marched across the land in anger and trampled the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue your chosen people to save your anointed ones. You crushed the head of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe. With his own weapons, you destroyed the chief of those who rushed out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel will be easy prey. You trampled the sea with your horses, and the mighty waters piled up. 
I tremble inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invaded us. Even though the fig trees have no blossom and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. Amen. And the praise God, praise Jesus for the situation, for patience turns us into gold. Patience turns into the gold and the love of God. And it repels every circumstance, every situation. Amen. Now for a study on the, and commentary on the book of Habakkuk. Let's go ahead and, and go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord God. We praise you that you are our strength. Lord, you help us, Lord, to, to scale high mountains, Lord, circumstances in our lives. You give us the strength, Lord, and the ability. And we praise you and we thank you for strengthening us and making us bold as lions, Lord. For your righteousness and for your glory, we go forward, Lord. We thank you for today's reading. And Lord, we pray for all the Christians all around the world. We pray for their health. Be healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ. Be whole in the name of Jesus. Jehovah, the Lord God, is your healer. By the blood of the Lamb, you are restored and made whole. Shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Lord, we pray for the body of Christ. Lord, that you may bless each and every one, Lord God. Heal them. Be their friend. Protect them. Fill their, fill their pantries. Fill their houses. Fill them with warmth and joy, Lord. And Lord, protect all the people that are in war right now. And, the, and Lord, give the children and the people safety, Lord. We thank you, Father in heaven, for your love and your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. In Habakkuk, verses 1 through 4 on chapter 1, saddened by the violence and corruption he saw around him, you remember Habakkuk says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere, he says. He says, I am surrounded by a people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and there's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. Isn't that amazing? And when the Lord replies on that one, you would think the Lord will send, well, I'll, I'll send better judges. I'll, he says, huh, we're going to wipe them out. We're going to send a Babylon army, that crew and violent people, to give them some of their own medicine. Wow. So Habakkuk, he is saddened by the violence and corruption he saw around him. 
Habakkuk poured his heart out to God. This book records the prophet's questions of God. Why does God often seem indifferent in the face of evil? And why do evil people seem to go unpunished? Habakkuk complained vigorously to God while other prophetic books bring God's word to people. This book brings people's questions to God. <laughs> like Habakkuk, Christians often feel angry and discouraged when they see what goes on in the world around them. Evil and injustice seem to have the upper hand. God's answer to Habakkuk is the same answer he would give us. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. You know, that's why it's important that we, uh, we say, we prophesy into the future and say, Lord, the need and the supply is not here yet. You know, we get, we get our hurt and our truth and our emotions out. But it will come if we should have it. We are agreeing with the Father in heaven and all, all the elements. It will surely come. We say it over and over. We say it in faith. It is scriptural. It's, it lines up with the book of Habakkuk so good. The supply prayer. It isn't easy to be patient, but it helps to remember that God hates sin even more than we do. He will certainly punish sin. As God told Habakkuk, wait patiently. We cannot see all that God is doing, and we cannot know all that God will do. But we can be assured that God will do what is right. We must trust God even when we don't understand events in our lives and why they happen. We must trust God. Folks, obedience, even if we don't understand a thing, and let's give God the benefit of the doubt. He always has a right answer for every situation. That's what I found, though I don't question anymore. But the value of doubt. You know, we all have questions about the injustice in life. They are part of life. We may not always find the answers, but we always have the right to ask them. Habakkuk felt free to ask such questions, even about God's character. We should feel the same freedom. When circumstances around us or within us seem unbearable, we can ask God why. In those moments, however, we must also remember that God is in control. He does care, and He wants us to come to Him with our doubts. It is often during times of doubt that we surge toward forward in recovery and restoration. In these times of honest confusion, we are better able to recognize our helplessness and entrust our lives to God. God never changes. For most of us, life is hard and filled with struggles. As we seek to overcome our problems and dependencies, pondering God's faithfulness to us, and the past can be a source of continual strength. The prophet Habakkuk was greatly encouraged as he remembered all that God had done for his people. Because God never changes, we can be confident that what he has done in the past, he will continue to do in the future. This is one of the reasons why sharing our 
Restoration and recovery is so important. By telling other people what God has done for us, we give them the reason to believe that he will work the same miracle for them. Amen. God is our source of hope. Our hope must be built upon the foundations of our powerful and loving God. Because Habakkuk's hope was in God, he could patiently wait for God to bring the day of judgment against Babylon. We live, really live by trusting God. We will make progress in recovery in our restoration as we improve our relationship with Him and seek His face each day. He is our strength and our place of safety. He is the basis for our hope for recovery. It is so easy for us to make our strength, our God, our muscles, our God, our the faith that God has given us in our belief system as, as taking the, putting our hope in them and getting our hope off of God. How many times have I been strengthened by God and then I put my strength in God? It's the same thing when, when I used to be in high school and so forth. I would cater and, and I would take a shining to a gal and get a little bit of her love. And then from there, in other words, uh, I will feel joy. And then I would take that to the hills. And, and, and when it ran out, I would come back with poor me and start all over again. I didn't have a good self-esteem. But the idea is that a continual strength, that's why the supply prayer is so important, because the problem is not in the supplier. The problem is in on the supply E. I'm the supply E. I have a problem receiving. That's my illustration about dating. You receive, and, and you, and then a little bit, and you can't continue to receive. You feel unworthy. So the supply prayer opens up the channel and gets you ready by, by, sculpturing us with those words. Say, Lord, the supply for it is not here yet, but it will come if we should have it. Every time you look at something and it needs to be fixed, you say that. You have a path that, that needs a new screen. Lord, please, the supply for it is not here yet, but it will come. If we, you and I, should have it, it will surely come. And the Lord has already given us carte blanche. You know, in, uh, in Peter, he says, you know, he has given us precious and loving promises for this world, he has granted us all we're going to need for resources. Un- granted us like the ocean. Granted us like the air. Granted us like the sunshine. Granted us so we can do his work here and then have eternal life, folks. The supply is already promised. The supply is in the air. The supply is in millions of blessings that are are begging us to come into this world and to our assistance. Molecules want to help us. Amen. Now let's go back again to chapter 1 in Habakkuk. Habakkuk, a contemporary of the prophet Jeremiah, Daniel, and Ezekiel, was a pal at the wickedness that swirled around him like a windstorm. Lawlessness and injustice were rampant in the nation of Judah. 
The prophet, sensitive to the sins around him, called out to God. Today's society is not much different. We often find ourselves wondering, will this ever end? The rest of the Habakkuk book provides an answer to this question. In verses 5 through 11, God's solution for Judah's sin was exile in Babylon. Huh, what a solution, huh? He would allow the Babylonians to destroy Judah and Jerusalem to teach them that ignoring his plan for them had terrible consequences. It was God's way of helping his people reach bottom so they could begin the process of recovery, restoration, and unity with God. They will finally surrender. God often allows us to be overcome by the hard consequences of our dependencies to teach us that we can't live without him. Then, when we turn to God for help, we discover that his plan for us is the only way to live. And that's where we're happy, our happiest. In, in verses 12 and on to chapter 2, verse 3, in Habakkuk, when faced with destruction by the Babylonians, it seemed to Habakkuk that the cure was worse than the disease. How could God allow this godless nations to destroy God's own people? It didn't seem right. Like Habakkuk, we sometimes wonder why God allows people even more wicked than us to prosper. But rather than turn away from God in confusion and resentment, we need to turn to Him and ask Him to help us <clears throat> face our problems and dependencies. God will deal with the power, excuse me, God will deal with other people when the time is right. He is ultimately in control. Wicked people trust in themselves. They probably try to make their own way in the world under their own power. Most of us have been ex experienced the consequences of such an attitude. We have discovered that without God, we cannot live a healthy and meaningful life. We become enslaved to alcohol, drugs, sexual pleasure, porn, work, anger, resentment, indifference, not giving God the credit, or religious activities that we're sick of, and we can't break away. So we get angry, dis disgruntled. We try to be to fill the empty space inside of us that only God can fill. God knows what is best for us. He can give our lives meaning. Being righteous does not depend on doing the right things. It has to do with faith in God. We can be made righteous no matter how terrible our past sins have been by believing in Christ and accepting Him as our personal Savior. God is powerful enough to use even bad things in our lives to bring about His good will for us and His world. The Holy Spirit came to give us grace on top of grace through Jesus Christ our Lord and His sacrifice on the cross. So in other words, we're already standing in grace and a good attitude is says, God, give me more grace. We need more grace. Bring us down the, the supply. Like we said, the same power that created the universe is available to create a new life for us from our shattered hopes and dreams. The light of life that exposes and drives away the darkness of the human race is the same light that brightens the dark corners of our world. The source of all life and true light of the world is the source of all recovery and restoration. 
coming home to our Father's arms. Eternal life and true recovery are ours when we believe what God says. Meditate, memorize, renounce our tendencies to do things our way and receive the one whom God sent to help us. The true light of the world became a human being known to us as Jesus Christ, who was full of God's unfailing love and faithfulness. Through Jesus, who was both fully God and fully human, we can know what God is like and enjoy a relationship with Him, the Father. Jesus Christ came to bring us God's unfailing love and forgiveness and to reveal the Father's, Father God's faithfulness to us. God's forgiveness, grace says, I forgive you for your wrongs. I love and accept you freely for the person you are. His faithfulness says, we're going to get through this. I will follow through all I have promised for you. The Lord says. In Genesis, it says, And God created the world, man, the leaves, the trees, the animals, the ocean, the skies, the blue skies. And he said, It is good. In other words, it is grace. It is grace out of chaos. And now when Jesus came... From He came from His abundance, the foundation of it is good. We all have received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses' grace, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness, life, abundant life, came through Jesus Christ. In other words, when God said it is good, he saw that it's good. Now is super hyper good. Now a grant has been given to us that we receive. Grace upon grace. That's what we have here, folks. God never changes his personality or his promises. His holy and loving character remains the same, even when everything seems to be falling apart. When our habits take us away and we know better, we can say, we can will this statement, we can will and say, I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Even in the midst of your Selfish actions. You can the holy. You can let the spirit of God say that towards your flesh. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You keep it up because the spirit is fighting against the flesh, and the flesh is fighting against the spirit. So you let the Holy Spirit win the spirit of Jesus by saying His words. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in the midst of your wrong. And you know it. The Holy Spirit is there telling us to do the right thing. Or you can say, I thank you, Jesus. I'm a misfit. I am missing it. 
I thank you, God, I missed the mark. Thank you, Jesus Christ, I am missing it. Amen. And that will switch you over to spirit mode. And then if it's not enough, you try it again and try it again and try it again. A righteous man will stand up ten times and keep at it. You're not alone. We, we can win this. We are winning it, and this is part of it. It's part of the experience of what works in our lives. How to conquer the lazy flesh. The Lord will fulfill all his promises of his word if we stare at them and meditate on them. That's how he promises. And when the future seems to hold nothing but pain, God is powerful enough to use even the bad things in our lives to bring about his good will for us in this world. In his world. Did you hear what I said? God is powerful enough to use even the bad things in our lives to bring about the, his good will, his good will for us and in his, and his world. That's why we, when a person is drowning, we stop struggling when the hands come around us and starts to pull us to the shore. That's exactly what's happening here. We've gone on too into the deep. We ventured out in our flesh and we got caught in the current. Now we thank him, we praise him, we called out to God. He came and rescued us. And God is powerful enough to use even our bad situations in our lives to bring about his good will for us and, and his world. To bring about his good will, his good world to us. This prophecy is unique because the prophet Habakkuk never took the role of God's spokesman. Instead, Remember, Habakkuk recorded how God responded to his honest questions about life. God wants us to come to him with our questions and doubts. If we listen to God's reply, like Habakkuk, we have our hearts stirred to renew trust and hope in God. Habakkuk realized that remembering past displays of God's power will give him faith in God for future struggles. This is part of the valuable of sharing our stories and counting our benefits and acknowledging the gratitude, the things we're grateful for. It brings deliverance to others. We stay on the beam as we make a gratitude list. I can move my toes. I have ears to hear, eyes to see. I have the breath of life. I'm thankful. I have a second chance. I'm going to take it. As we remember what God has done for us in restoration and recovery, we and others will be strengthened for the conflicts yet to come. You know how to deal with doubt by affirming that in spite of the evil around us in this world, God has not changed in his person or his purpose. His word is the same. All we have to do is stare at it, folks, and let those words come into our hearts and minds and spirit. Habakkuk praised God not only for answering his questions, but also for the knowledge he had gained about the person of God. Habakkuk learned how much his people needed God's discipline. So he acknowledged God's righteousness in their coming judgment. Then he looked past the coming punishment for for their restoration. 
God's punishment is always for the purpose of growth and blessings, okay? If we recognize our need for God and follow his good plans for us, we can receive the blessing he intended for us to gain through our painful experience. Remember the powerful acts of God in the past can give us confidence in what God can do now and in the future. During this process of restoration and recovery, it is extremely helpful to read what God has done in the lives of his people and be encouraged by their examples. Read Romans chapter 15, verses, verse 4, or 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. God's work in our own lives can also be of great help to others. As we share how God delivered us in the past, not only will we receive new hope for recovery by running those words through our mind and being grateful, but we also will be able, be able to encourage others by recalling what God has already done for us. Amen. Habakkuk's prayer can come to a climax in a beautiful affirmation of faith. Although there would be hard times ahead, okay, like the things I was wrong for, my discipline, I still have to go through more, I'm still making amends. Habakkuk knew that he would trust God to provide him with the strength he needed to persevere. Provide in verse 19 provides a picture of the sure-footed confidence we can have in our God. He is our strength and safety. A great assurance for all of us in recovery. Amen. Let's go ahead and say a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank we surrender to you, Lord God. Have our will and our ways, Lord God, that we may receive the medicine, Lord, that we may be responsible for the consequences of our wild oats, Lord God, and have the courage to go through whatever happens, happens, Lord. We will follow your leading, Lord God. Whatever you present to us is your way to get us out of this mess that we have gotten ourselves into, Lord. We thank you and we praise you, Lord God, that you're restoring us and doing the best for us. In Jesus' name, we give our lives over to you. Amen. Thank you so much. Now, a reading from the New Testament on Revelations chapter 9. Heavenly Father, give us ears to hear in your word what you're saying to the Spirit of God, saying to us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the book of Revelations. Revelation notes on Revelation commentary. God's purpose is clear in this chapter and events. He wants people to repent again. Unfortunately, they refuse to. Revelations 9.20 It's awful to think that sin can creep into our lives and take over so much that these trumpets, judgments, would still not turn us back to God. James 1.14 and 15 We ask God to help us keep our hearts tender to his voice and guidance. We ask him to reveal where sin is hardening our hearts. It. Amen. Even though God has made Even though God has made Turn that radio down. Even though God has made it clear that sin is wrong and judgment is coming, many people will refuse to repent 
and accept God's grace. Even in the final days when God sends his witnesses to prophesy concerning the coming destruction, many people will prefer to align themselves with evil forces and will gloat over the demise of God's prophets. Those who thus oppose God and flee from him will eventually be excluded from his presence. So are God's judgment meant to bring about redemption? So are they simply intended to destroy? Revelation gives us some clues. Despite the plagues they experience, people still refuse to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. The suffering, the, the tortures of the locusts desire death rather than looking to God. Others cry for the rocks to fall and hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. Many prefer to die rather than to admit their sin in seeking an escape from judgment. They show their fear of God rather than a trust in God. Revelation emphasizes the ultimate justice of God. Believers and unbelievers alike will receive exactly what they deserve. God's judgments serve to fulfill numerous purposes. The judgments are God's partial answer to the prayers of the saints for retribution. But they occur in God's time, not ours. The judgments disprove the power of the earthly gods and of God's enemies like the plague of Egypt did. The judgments are part of God's mission and offers a last chance to repent. Judgment against disobedience and evil ways is inedible, even in the church. God, however, potentially waits for repentance and offers his grace. Amen. Revelations chapter 9. Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I, John saw a star that had fallen to earth from the sky. And he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. When he opened it, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace, and the sunlight and the air turned back from the smoke. Then locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth, and they were given power to sting like scorpions. They were told not to harm the grass or plants or trees, but only the people who did not have the seal of God in their foreheads. They were told not to kill them, but to torture them for five months with pain, like the pain of a scorpion sting. In those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. They had what looked like gold crowns on their heads and their faces looked like human faces. They had hair like woman's hair and teeth like the teeth of a lion. They wore armor made of iron and their wings roared like an army of chariots rushing into battle. They had tails that stung like scorpions and for five months they had the power to torment people. Their kings is the angel from the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon, the destroyer. The first terror is past, but look, two more terrors are coming. When the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice speaking from the four horns of the gold altar that stand in the presence of God. And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound 
at the great Euphrates River. Then the four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill one-third of all the people on the earth. I heard the size of the army, which was 200 million mounted troops. And in my vision, I saw the horses and the riders sitting on them. The riders were armored that was fiery red and dark blue and yellow. The horses had heads like lions and fire and smoke and burning sulfur billow from their mouth. One third of all the people on the earth were killed by these three plagues. By the fire and smoke and burning sulfur that came from the mouth of the horses, their power was in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails had heads like snakes with the power to injure people. But the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their witchcraft or their sexual immorality or their theft. Huh. As the fifth trumpet blows, a locust plague will be unleashed, unlike regular locusts. However, these creatures will attack people, not plants. God will not allow these creatures to harm everyone, just those not protected by God's seal. As we seek recovery with God's help, we can be secure, knowing that God is able and willing to protect us. He may allow hard times into our lives to help us grow if we continue to trust and obey him, he won't allow us to be destroyed by sin and its terrible consequences. On the sixth trumpet blows, a demonically led army will slaughter a third of the world's remaining population. Certainly, circumstances will seem completely hopeless to most inhabitants of the earth at this point. They could either humble themselves and begin recovery by faith, or sink into depressed denial. Sadly, only a few will accept God's gracious offer of forgiveness at that late stage. We have a similar choice before us today as we face the destruction, destructive, painful consequences of our sins. We can either give up and fall into deeper bondage, or we can recognize how helpless we are and receive God's gift of deliverance and recovery. The choice is ours. Let us cry out to God in our needs, in our present circumstances. Let us accept Jesus Christ on the cross. Let us say yes, yes, Lord, to the cross. And yet let us admit that we need a salvation. We are sinners and we need the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us ask the Lord to deliver us from ourselves and from the anguish we have experiencing. Hallelujah. And Lord, deliver us and that we may know Jesus Christ. We repent of our sins. Lord, cleanse us and restore us again unto thy salvation, unto thy love and thy purpose. Lord, may your seal be upon us like you put that seal on Jesus Christ. Lord, for we call upon thee and we, and we love you, Lord, and we thank you for that love that's in our hearts, Lord God. We are born again, new creatures in Christ Jesus. Amen. Psalms 137 says...
Besides the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We put away our harps, hanging them on the branches of the poplar trees. For our captors demanded a song from us. Our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget how to play the harp. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you, if I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy. O Lord, remember what the Edomites did on the day of the army of Babylon captured Jerusalem. Destroy it, they replied. Level it to the ground. O Babylon, you will be destroyed. Happy is the one who pays you back for what you have done to us. Happy is the one who takes your babies and smashes them against the rocks. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 10. Never slander a worker to the employer. Don't gossip. Or the person will curse you and you will pay for it. Never slander a worker to the employer. Or the person will curse you and you will pay for it. So we need we need to turn this into a blessing. We need some wisdom here. Let's just turn it around. Instead of us having our enemy curses, we want our enemy to bless us and that we will uh, get an increase out of it, a pay raise. How do we do that? We praise God about the good of a worker to our employer. That's how we do it. If, if a, a worker has gone to college, if they've done something good, we bring that point up to our employer. And for, just like Benjamin Franklin, we bring up all the good and not the evil. We will want the good in the best of us and in the worst of us to grow and to flower and to have fruition. And that's how we do it. And then the person will bless us and we will increase in happiness and joy. Let's get smart about this world, the regulation of how this world is regulated by the Word of God and not by the events of circumstances. Have a great day, guys. Give them heaven. It's a wonderful day today. And Merry Christmas. Give yourself and others the benefit of the doubt and start praising God for His life and His plan in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.